Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 380 on Tuesday, the 2nd of February, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we've been humming, dancing with the moonlit night for some reason, we'll be finally saying goodbye to old tyres. We also look at how investment and profits are good things this week. And we talk about a recycling scheme that is the hub of inspiration for one artist. But first, we will go... And amazingly, I hope you're all sitting down straight into the news. No follow-up for a change. Yay! No, no Volkswagen follow-up, thank God. Uh, but this is an important piece, and it is that uh, tyres that are over 10 years old on lorries, coaches and minibuses will now be banned, and they will have to be swapped over. Now, this has taken years of campaigning by a family who were tragically affected by bull tyres on a, on a coach coming back from a music festival it's not even bald it's 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 old and perished tires yeah but they, they were old as well but as being um bald uh, bold and so this why they um why they this campaign and it it it's be one of those that you sort of go what they could yeah it just seems so obvious that it shouldn't but it's it's just obviously one of those things that's slipped through a net somewhere and never been a problem but it is a bit sad that it's taken a lot of campaigning to get to this point the challenge with this kind of thing is and i i have relatively strong views on this on on this sort of stuff especially as the old is that if it's twin tires then it's in a twin configuration it still seemed it's still deemed okay because and this always comes back to my general grumble about uh school buses mm. you notice that people's people's school kids get taken well, whenever they go to school, I'm sorry, I don't want to don't want to sort of start off any sort of yearning for the olden days with some of you. Whenever they're going to school, it, the buses are old. They're just they're old. They are always old, and you're putting. You wouldn't go out and buy a car as old as many of the buses that you put your children on to be taken to school. No, uh, and so these old tires are still allowed on the rear of buses because there's two wheels beside each other. Mm. It's just on the front that they're not allowed. And I still think it's not good enough. I'm sorry, I, I do. It's similarly retreads and being able to recut tires for commercial vehicles as well. Yeah. Is another one. You see you see that thing go round where people, you know, this this old thing for, for cutting treads back into tires. On commercial vehicles, that is notionally legal. And frankly, it really shouldn't be. No. There's so many ways for people to be legal and still cut corners. Uh, and I feel that it's a, a real safety thing. It really bugs me, sorry, as someone who's tries to do it right, proper tyres, proper vehicles, just not on. But do, if you've got all the cars uh, and you are driving them, then do make sure, you know, do check the ages of your tyres. Um, yeah. Any over 10 years old, you really should be thinking about changing. Sorry, I've just tramped trampled right across your story there Andrew. no no but you're quite right i totally agree with everything you said and uh, but that just emphasizes the the whole you mean it wasn't before point yeah. of this story <laughs> which i think is what has caught so many people with this uh, but anyway take us to once people charge their glasses take us to the next story <laughs> so Alan has not like been anywhere out. near any of the setups because he's been really busy and away yeah. from technology for a couple of days. So I have completely set him up on this one, ladies and gentlemen. But still, yeah, yeah. I was glasses. about to point out. 
that I didn't add this story to the running order, and nor did I assign who was who was going to talk about it. So there we go. But Toyota has is the world is was was the world's best selling car maker in 2020, repassing the Volkswagen Group, uh, which was more severely hit by the coronavirus. I don't want to use the word crisis, which is what's used here, but the coronavirus side effects. Toyota sales were down 11% in 2020, and they and they shipped 9.53 million vehicles. Volkswagen sales and deliveries were down 15%, shipping 9.31 million vehicles. There were over 11. The uh, over 11 in 2019, if I remember correctly. Mm. Quite significant knocks to, to both of those. But yeah, Toyota's sales were less affected by the dress by the sort of by closures and lockdowns across Europe because they sell more more vehicles more globally if you know what I mean mm. rather than being uh, Europe centric like Volkswagen they they must have benefited from how China were really in particularly in the last quarter China really found its checkbook again a, a fair amount but remember that Toyota sells across Africa and stuff where Volkswagens aren't necessarily yeah. popular yeah. Uh, I imagine India and similar as well. Mm-hmm. Right, talking of companies doing well, and we're pleased to see, but uh, Jaguar Land Rover have posted pre-tax profits for the final quarter of 2020. Now, we've got to remember that it wasn't so long ago that they were not doing well, I think is the polite way of putting it. It was it Flushing was, 50 quid down the toilet. Yes. They, 50 pound notes down the toilets, not so well. So, yeah. They really were. But through their cost-cutting exercises, they have managed to make a pre-tax profit of £439 million for the final quarter of 2020. That's excellent news, and hopefully it means that it's Tata that's their parent company, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That Tata is now seeing that the management plan is hopefully the right one or one that they can continue to back and they can continue to make the changes, uh, and they can push forward for a more electrified future. Um, because there's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the XGA that's talked about as being a purely electric vehicle, isn't it? Yes. Yes, that's what was meant to be coming next. But I, I can't remember. Some muttering about whether that was still the plan. I can't remember now. Yeah. That was a few months ago. So we we thought we'd share some good news from them. <laughs> for a the other thing, the other thing that's worth that's worth mentioning in with that which is also good news, is the 20% quarterly sales boost in China. Because you remember at one point last year, basically they shut down the Chinese operation. There had been all sorts of issues in China. Yes, there was there was local problems, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah, ser- <laughs> yes, quite significant. Yeah. Year on year of 2019, it was up 19.1%, uh, was the actual figures. But yeah, they, they'd had uh, a heck of a time with China uh, over the last little while. So that does seem to be sorting itself out. I think I waffled my way into that one. <laughs> it's, it's good to see. Good to see. Uh, news still to do with UK-based manufacturing? Yes, a very quick one. Lots and lots of announcements from Lotus recently, tying up with uh, Renault on the Type 131. Yes. And then, of course, the news that the 131 and its various derivatives were going to replace the Elise Exige and other one that we always forget, the Evora. <laughs> you remembered in the nick of time. Then following on from that is that Phil Popham, 
uh, is to step down or, or has stepped down on the 28th of January from the job as the managing director and replacing him uh, is Matt Windle, who was formerly the the executive director for engineering. Phil Popham stepped down straight away, but will remain in and around the company until the end of March this year to to facilitate the handover between him and uh, and Matt Windle. Mm, no pressure on that plan. <laughs> No, none at all. None but at he'd all. have been so tightly involved in that anyway, being the executive director for engineering. So you would hope so. So there's, yes, there's, yes, you would. It's not like he's walking into any surprises. Yeah, exactly. Right, we're a, a week ahead of the new car registration figures, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about spreadsheets and data and analysis. Uh, but it's not from us. It's from a company called Jato Dynamics who try and match up, thanks to Alan looking into this, who try and match up the data from all the markets across Europe, etc., uh, and make it a level playing field that people can have a look at and analyse and get some sort of picture from for the region and specific countries. But- th- that's that's silly things, by the way, like uh, right down to something like uh, like the volume of the boot space, different organizations measure it in different ways and they go out and they find out what the sort of standardized they have a standardized way of measuring the boot space for example vehicles meaning you you can compare like for like so uh it's it's always the same measure it's not because some measure above the floor some measure including below the floor some above the window line Above the window, like all that stuff. So they 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 gather all the information, they standardise it, and then they sell it in a number of different services, which very large companies uh, and large fleets and things um, depend on to help make buying decisions. Yes, yes, they do. But what they have announced now is that they will no longer be classifying hybrid cars. This is purely hybrid cars as electrified vehicles. So they will now be under, whether it is a petrol or diesel, in their various rows, columns, etc., when they report on this. Only pure electric and plug-in hybrids will will meet their definition of electrified vehicles. Now, we've, we have muttered, particularly about mild hybrids, pretty much every month for the last, was it year? Maybe a bit more? <laughs> So since they started breaking it out that way, so yeah, it's probably at least a year. Yeah, because yeah. the the mild hybrid ones particularly, as Alan says, is just a larger alternator. Really. Yeah, it's, they are they are not in any way really electrified. When we say they, by the way, in that we we mean the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. Yes. So it would be interesting to see on uh, whether SMMT do change their reporting structure. And when that is, and then we will, because I'm just interested. From a, is the dog wagging the tail or the other way round? Yeah, I know what you mean. I suspect that SMMT will not change theirs because they are a society of motor manufacturers and traders, rather than an independent organisation who is collating information from many sources. I think the only time it will probably happen is when mild hybrids die out as a vehicle. Yeah, I think so. I I agree. So basically what we're saying, though, to summarise, is that Jato are saying if it it ain't got a plug, it ain't electrified. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. 
Okay. That'll that'll please some people and frustrate some manufacturers, I imagine. Yes, I, I, I bet it will. I bet it will. Why don't you take us to uh, the government investing? Good news, though. We managed to get through that without using... Without using the phrase no, no, in that last never, story. No, we're never using that phrase. We, we don't use the phrase. If anybody's wondering why we haven't said the phrase. The, the next one. Government is pledging £93 million for major road upgrades. Uh, these are for vital road upgrades in places like North Yorkshire, Hampshire, and parts of the Midlands. So the A59 in North Yorkshire has been significantly earmarked by Grant Shapps, the uh, Transport Secretary. Uh, and this is all to help the, with the government's commitment to fuel the economic recovery from COVID-19. But it's also yeah. okay. uh, a, a lot of that money, something in the region of 56 million is going towards the north for the Northern Powerhouse Initiative, which to everybody That's who right lives in the north think mm, really but <laughs> we, we will see time will tell hear, hear that he's time, bitter and has a chip on his shoulder time will tell but uh hopefully i'm wrong but i i think this this goes to show what a difficult job it is currently for for the transport secretary because it's about it's not far off a year ago that grant chaps was saying look you all have to think about how you get around now and yet, we know for a fact there will be environmental groups and uh, and others that will be going. It's a waste of ninety three million to put it into improving roads, because cars will just fill that and use it, and that doesn't get people off the roads, and it doesn't help with congestion, and it doesn't help. But blah 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 blah. All those arguments, which which some of them are valid. You know, if if you create space, things will expand to fill it, etc. Yeah, that's what happens. But you still have to keep the country moving round. You still have to try and uh, make sure that the economy runs. Otherwise, nothing will happen anyway. So I I really don't, whilst I'm very happy to put the boot in when I think they've done things wrong, I'm very happy not to be trying to make these decisions and balance it out between where they put the investment in, yet still keep things moving as they are now before uh, changes can take effect in our attitudes, our behaviours, and technology, and that really mm-hmm. that really changes how we do, how we do things. Yes, I don't think it's an excessive amount either. No. I think it's going to it's split over many roads, isn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, there's a, there's a good few of three or four key projects that that's in that's involved with. Mm. Um, do click if you want to know more about what projects they are uh, then there's the article the auto car story is linked in in the show notes yep well more pledging of money from the government and this is that they are going to provide 20 million pounds for the local authorities on street electric charging scheme for the next two mm-hmm. years now that's up double on last year's amount and nearly four times that of 2019 this is going over two years so i think it possibly balances out a little bit over that time however they do seem to be backing up the fact that they want to push people towards a more electrified future and they are providing the cash to help local governments do that Mm -hmm. so that can only be a good thing (laughs) exactly i I can imagine that you know we talked about it last week and and now 
uh, and now now Shelby rubbing their hands with glee uh, after their purchase of Ubertricity mm. yeah. the other week because it's exactly that kind of thing. And since then, I was thinking I've been thinking quite a bit about this kind of thing that really there's there's two areas where where I think there needs to be a focus on public charges. One is on key infrastructure. So motorways, if the electric highway was actually electrified, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. And on trunk roads for people doing longer journeys. And the other one needs to be in places where houses don't necessarily have their own driveways. Yes. I think that everything in between should be pretty much left to its own devices and people should have their own charges on their own driveways. Yes. So here. For example, technically ours should. I would I would back you up and say our house should have, because we on do, street or uh, no, uh, we should have our own charger. If if we hmm. if rather than the council provide or or uh, an organisation provide on street charging facilities, we should be utilising something from our own houses because technically, according to the council, we all have drives, even though most of them aren't wide enough to actually fit a car on. Oh, right. But okay. we do have boundaries to our property that we could mm. fit charges and park next oh, to okay. and things like that. You see, I would have put you in the other category, but there we go. But also our town is quite well served. Well, now. and the similar here, you see, uh, is it's pretty well pretty well served. Well, especially as the, the uh, low traffic neighbourhood has closed off the one road with with polar three polar charges on it charges on it i know i know and but that's the sorry that was just my that was me just voicing my thoughts Mm. on it and and i'm sure there's there's flaws in in my argument but i I haven't discussed it with anyone and that's me saying it for the first time but i no, i I agree with you but what i think needs to happen though with with the uh particularly with the on-street charging and and say terraced houses is a is an example that's usually given or uh you know lots of london where people are saying well uh, connect via a, a street light and things like that that there hmm. needs to be that's, there needs serious. to be a lot of demonstration that that's happening and a lot of explaining to people because the perception is oh we're never going to have anything so what am i meant to do and the challenge with that i agree with you completely the challenge with that is that people who live two streets away from streets with charges in well they go oh, there's no charges mm. and so it it's tricky because Whenever you see rapid chargers or ultra ultra chargers or whatever they're called this week, whatever the latest <laughs> one is, that they that then you see them at places where you go. So you see them at service stations, at petrol stations, at in in public car parks. Yep. But you don't really notice that a lamppost has a plug in it. No. See, I have so no idea. So it's a real uphill struggle on this. You probably don't. No, I I, I don't think I do, but. I wouldn't actually know either because I've not tried mm. to find it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you, you're falling into motoring journalism there. You see, there's a future for you in this. <laughs> you should do that. You should never have bothered looking. Do you notice there's a few comments this weekend over about that sort of stuff? And what you should do is then you should make a huge big fuss out of the fact that you've never bothered your ass before. Yes. Yes. I thought so. there has been some very silly comments made people who should know better before making a lot of noise 
w- once again, Andrew, I wonder how we managed to climb into an EV pretty much for the first time, looking after ourselves with one, and drive around the country three years ago. I, I don't know how we managed it. No. We must have been planning for months and months and months, as opposed to getting in the car. No, we, we've uh, we've owned. How do we charge? We've owned EVs for years, so we knew everything. Yeah, yeah. I've got my own supercharger. Mm-hmm. It was not the second time ever I'd been in an EV when you picked me up from the house. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm amazed. Yes. Anyway, shall we move on to something which we really could have done with yes. when, when we did the Charge Around Britain? Because this would have been great. Yes, I, I did chuckle when I saw which company was involved. But Whitbread are oh. going to be installing across their uh, their network of companies and locations across Britain because they uh, own Premier Inns, which didn't have a charger when they said they did. Beef Eater, yeah. Brewers Fair, that was the end of day one, everyone. Uh, also, yeah. they have got some locations at uh, NCP car parks as well, I believe. No, 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 you, you missed that. No, they have more car parks than NCP. Oh, sorry. But they parks. have, but the other one is they're, t- they're tying up with Genie Point, who were then the one that wouldn't ready work the next morning after the Premier Inn that was supposed to have its own charging point. Yes, but I think their technology's improved and we we I know think the, it's significantly. Yeah, we know the trick. We know. <laughs> we, we 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 know yes. Yes. So we know and they got better. So this is again, you know, I mean this really hammered home we've talking about this again and it's been so long since we've done a a, a road trip. But as we drove <laughs> round we realized why aren't pubs, um coffee shops, yeah. restaurants why are they not falling over themselves to get hold of charges? Because it's just it's an easy win because people yeah. will uh, people will charge whilst they're having their meal, etc. And I know that the last so I've used charges at hotels since then. So I have a slight thing about this story is is what they're talking about is they're putting in uh, rapid charges. I'm just double checking as I scroll through here. So they're putting in they're putting in rapid charges, which is great if you're visiting a pub and stuff. But if you're staying in the hotel, that's less great. I mean, it's fine. I mean, generally, you can plug in by the time you've you've you can plug in, you can go in, you can check in, dump your stuff in the room, quickly get changed, pop back out, and your car's full. But don't that's, they? That's have the theory when I've done it on Polar. But but what they different plugs? But what would actually be better on those on ones? those rapid chargers? So whilst they are all rapid chargers, some of them will only give out some one of the plug, isn't it? Will only give it out at a, a uh, lower rate, and that's usually one that is also a, you can fit to cars that will take the rapid charge. You mean Type 2 as opposed to CCS? Yeah, I couldn't remember. So I was talking about CCS-based chargers there, where you do do it, and it's done in half an hour. Yeah, but they usually have a Type 2 plug as well. They do, yeah. I'd never, I'd, yeah, but, but what's, you're not really winning because you're still blocking the charger. I understand that, but if you're staying overnight... Yeah, okay, I hadn't thought about that. I'm, I sit corrected. No, but but in the ideal world, you put it on rapid... You go out, you go upstairs, you get changed, you refresh, have your meal, come back out, move the car, and then go and relax for the rest of the night and have your kip. Yes, because you don't want to block a charging point. Or you've just got a very lots of low-powered ones, which is actually cheaper yeah. to install, and then you just you plug in that way and leave it for six to eight hours on seven kilowatt or whatever. Yep. Yeah. 
but this is good. There's more being put in. You know, it, we've seen so many people bounce up and down when the 2030 date, which I think is quite tight. Yeah, I'd, I'll agree, it's tight. But when the 2030 date was was mentioned, everyone bouncing up and down and going, "Oh well, we need 75 billion charging points in this next two weeks, otherwise we'll never do it." And other stats that were thrown out ridiculously. Well, industry is doing their bit. The government needs to back up, and they are providing you know that money which was in the previous article. So, I think we will we will generally get there. There is always going to be gaps, but um, I always fall back on the how many people own their own petrol pump. Yeah, well, there's that. Yes, yeah, totally. And how many petrol pumps sit empty a lot of the time? And how many? How many? How well, how few? How what number is it fewer than we used to have fifteen, twenty years ago? It's significant, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, so, we find a yes. way around it. Is the answer? Are we getting anti-grumpy EV grumps tonight? But from the two of us, I think we are. Yeah, uh, but I, I just we think it's that was just intended, not thinking sorry. through their their perceived problems. That's all, and I wish they would. Yes. No, it's far easier to just shout about stuff on Twitter. Anyway, speaking of information feeds. Yes. A, a company no one has heard of, pretty much. <laughs> I know. So, the a one of the world's biggest IT providers, but of course being French, hides from le globalisation by making sure that nobody outside France has ever heard of them, called Sopasteria, has won a 42 million pounds worth of contract from highways england by the way they're the same people that run the nhs business system they're just smarter than smarter than some of the other big subcontracting companies by not actually telling people Mm. Uh, have one yeah 42 million pound contract from highways england to supply the data feed from the country's 4,300 miles of strategic road network. And that's for Highways England, by the yes. way. The service is called the National Traffic Information Service, and this contract uh, involves running it for five years and putting in place a whole new backend, a whole new, a whole new system. Uh, to run that so i imagine that's all the software all the sensors all the the hardware stuff uh, that it all runs on in the background yeah they're going to be taking advantage of the fact that technology in cars has moved on since this system was mm. originally put in because one of the things that's explicitly talked about in the register article here is that um, they will uh, be able to deal with uh, multiple data sources including third-party in-vehicle data um, mm. Along with over ten thousand roadside sensors, which you know we we've all seen the little boxes that give us the roadside sensor information. The, the in-vehicle stuff's interesting, actually, because some companies have been doing that for a long time. I seem to remember Traffic Master using it some time ago by doing things like uh, tracking National Express coaches. Mm. So National Express coaches all had a little transponder in them, so you could use that as a way of gauging real time real-time uh traffic because of when the coaches speed up and slow down they've got a big yeah. enough uh network so that and sort of large haulage companies so your stobarts your xpos of this world being able to leverage the traffic data themselves as part of the payment for it but also having the uh, having the sensors on their on their fleets yeah. is a very good way uh, of monitoring it so when it says that it doesn't mean everybody's car reporting back it can be 
yet. Tens of thousands across the <laughs> tens of thousands of vehicles across the UK at one time, but you know, fleet vehicles mm-hmm. uh, and and stuff like yeah. that. It's really clever. One of the things which I noticed that you'd quite like is it's pointing out about the fact that there's some stuff that they're just going to stop using because it's not really very good, and one of those is ANPR. So they're going to remove that as a data source, uh, and they're also going to stop stop certain other outputs of it, uh, such as event emails, which I imagine tell me email me when something happens on whatever junction of yeah. the motorway. M sixty two has gone all crazy at this junction. Avoid. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is the stuff that this, by the way, is really useful to all of us who drive on the roads on trunk roads across the UK. This is all the stuff that feeds our sat navs. That's Absolutely. why this is important. Sorry. Yes. This runs our sat navs. This means that people can plan when they're going to do, when they're going to be doing road works. It's used for planning. It's, it analyzes where the hotspots are so that the, so that funding for improvements can be, can be, uh, can be targeted. But they can be targeted on data rather than, I always think it's tricky coming through here when it may not be. Yeah, well, that's that's it. And the other thing is that you can, of course, use it for tracking benefits as well, but nobody ever will because we, we know what happens when it comes to tracking benefits for public projects. But in theory, you should be able to say, the right, we did that, and look, everything, is, you know, there is a 10% improvement in traffic flow by whichever metric people have decided they're going to use for traffic flow. Yeah, And you can do that. And so this is really, really important to all of us. It is. If you want to know more, there's a link to the story on the register, as ever, in the show notes at motoringpodcast.com. Yep. Right. Connected with that, talking of connectedness. Thank you. Ford and Google announced yesterday that they wish to, I'm quote, reinvent, end quote, the connected vehicle. They've basically signed a six-year deal where Ford's sync infotainment system is being shelved, except in China because China doesn't accept Google. And Google's Android system will be used in all Fords uh, everywhere else in the world, bar China. Android-based. Yes. Sorry, yes, Android-based. You still, if There will still be the option for Apple CarPlay. And I don't know if Alexa has an app yet. Amazon. I know they have their own operating possibly. system, but I don't know if they have an app yet. I've not seen it in any vehicles. It can only be a matter of time, I would imagine. I'm sure. Yes. Google promises faithfully that they will not be passing on any information they get to third-party businesses. Well, that's nice to know, isn't it? Uh, they're not the first to to make this to make this leap. Uh, the Renault, Nissan, and Mitsubishi Rebel Alliance uh, announced that it was working on this on one of these systems in partnership with google for launch in 2021 and uh polestar and volvo uh polestar 2 and the volvo xc40 uh use android-based infotainment systems already with lots of inbuilt googly functions mm-hmm. yay uh which brings us to the end of the yeah Eve, what uh, people on the audio uh, can't tell is just the look of I'm biting my tongue, which I'm getting from from Mr. Clues. It's reminded me to uh, finalize that connected car episode I've talked about just so I can... The five-year connected car. He will never finalize the connected car episode. It It is complete mythology, everyone. I can explain to everyone just exactly what the perks are of having a connected car because there are a few 
and I know I'm less enamored by the perks than other people. I, I have one that I would like. There, there are there are risks, obviously, with this, which people will not be appreciating. The, the one I would like, of course, would be the fact that the car goes, oh, you're going home. We'll make sure the house is up to temperature by the time you get home. You should be able to. Yeah, I can do, yeah but my stuff's not all connected. No, if you I'm drove a, Ford, a bit like yourself. A exactly. It should be possible for that to ping through to my, my thermostat. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That That is the would be the one benefit I would get out of this. Anyway... Andrew, speaking of automation, SAE levels, hopefully there are no way out because people have come up with something that's a little bit simpler. Do you want to try and explain it? Yes. The Edge Case Research Organization um, with Dr. Philip Koopman, who is one of the leading lights when it comes to automated and autonomous vehicles and the safety systems around them. He talks. Is, is, that, is he-, he a brighter light than Elon Musk? Uh, where he is a more um, more realistic <laughs> and truthful light, uh, and he actually understands automation. He understands AI, and he understands safety systems. It, 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 well, there's you, a start. Yes, if you can find any of his uh, talks on YouTube and everything, it's incredible stuff because he explains just how tricky this all is, and it is not just a case of pretending that your car does something and call it full self-driving than it is so what they've done to is they've tried to create a user's guide to vehicle automation mode and now why they've called it user is because depending on which mode operating mode the car is in you are either a passenger or a driver so this is sort of looking Mm -hmm. eventually if there are autonomous vehicles, which Dr. Koopman does believe there will be, uh, and then maybe just in specific areas or wherever, but he does believe it will happen, or whether someone's driving. So it's the human's role. And it's it's a really nice, simple, simple, which we need, simple chart, which isn't SEA levels. It is, it, it's, it's way simpler, actually. Yes. It's, it tells you what the operating mode is, what the human's role is, if they're driving, who's going to be liable and to what level they need to be paying attention. And it's all done. Hmm. So it's just incredible. Do click on the link. You will see it and you'll go, I know exactly what's going on when you when you look at that. You will know what if you were driving, what your responsibility would be. I like it because it's human-centric and not technology-centric. Yes. Whereas the SAE levels are technology-centric. It doesn't for the engineers. The other. SAE levels are for engineers. Yeah, it was never meant to be out for us, us muggles talking about it in magazines, and Hmm. therefore marketing get hold of it and go two plus. And then (laughs) I know I was about to say, then adding pluses, which is we forgot a level. But that's even worse because that's been that's been going for so long that the safety legislators are talking about two pluses, and you go, no, stop now, stop. (laughs) SAE levels are one of the most misused, I think, Mm -hmm. pieces of guidance which we have seen in a long long time yeah misused and misunderstood you're quite right this is really nice it's really human centric and it essentially defines a word yep so when someone says it's an it's a assistive then you know what that is if it's you say well it's it's actually it's it's a supervised driving mode it's automated or it's autonomous Yep. are the four the four different modes assistive supervised automated and autonomous and that's and it gives an essentially a 
a, a four icon, a four box description of those. Really simple, worth a look. If this is of any interest to you whatsoever, then do again linky in the show notes. Uh, edge case research and automation modes will search for that in in your your Google's, and it will uh, it will let you know. Other I I think the driver reliability one is perfect for all the insurance and legal people that are discussing it right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's get it's yeah. all incredibly technical. Because I I have looked into a bit of that, and it's incredibly technical. Obviously, for, there are technical details because of the, the legal insurance language that's used. But the the driver liability gives you is those four those four headings and explains exactly who is doing what. Perfect. The PowerPoint slidey icon graph at the top is is a good starter, but there's actually far more in the in the article down below. Yep. Right, that I think is the end of the first part, Alan. We had an awful lot in there. It is. There was. It's yes, kind of first part bias tonight, uh, which means it's guilt minute, of course. The quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on, and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the shows recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand that, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and many of you have done, which is hugely appreciated, then the last thing you can do, of course, is to recommend us to your friends and colleagues. Yes, thank you, everyone. Alan, Formula E, there is an update to a calendar. Very quickly, Formula E, we covered the start of the 2020-2021 calendar a little while ago, uh, where essentially Formula E said, okay, we're going to have some races in Saudi Arabia, and then after that, we're going we're gonna to see what happens. So they've published the dates for the next six rounds. Uh, Saudi Arabia... Night races, February 26th and 27th. I'm actually looking forward to those. So am I. I think it should look fantastic. I I think it's going to be exciting at night. It's going to be really interesting Uh to see how they do that. My personal experience is that Saudi Arabia is much better looking in the dark. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Our diplomatic correspondent for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what it is. Welcome to Travel Logs with Alan. (laughs) There is something, there is, I don't know, it just, it just it is. Uh, well, during the light, it's all kind of sandy. <laughs> but, uh, but at night, well, it, it, sorry, it is. Truthfully, it is. It's, it's a beautiful place, but, but when you're, your suburban Saudi, Saudi Arabia is not wonderfully pretty, but at night with the light, it's going to look fantastic. I'm looking forward to the 26th and 27th of February. Move on. Round three, Rome in Italy, 10th of April. So there's a big gap. What's what's that like, Alan? <laughs> it's not Sunday. Rome is, <laughs> I don't know. I've only ever seen it in the rain, to be honest. Uh, I got one of the worst, worst storms ever on the three days I was there. Rome is it's absolutely beautiful. Valencia in Spain, April the 24th. Monaco on May the 8th. I've never been. They're still actually on that. On that, they're still talking about. They haven't decided on the track they're going to use. I've seen something talking about. Uh, I think it was a tweet, which might have been formerly or it might have been from Sniffer Media, 
discussing mm. that they were still deciding on the track and it it was likely to be different from the normal Formula One track. It normally is. It's normally shorter. It's yeah. the historics one. But they they've got the use, yeah. they've got the bigger battery packs now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's been a well, it's every second year you see for Monaco, so it's, there's quite big jumps in between. Uh, Monaco on May the 8th, May the 22nd in Marrakesh in Morocco. And then rounds 7 and 8 are in Santiago in Chile on the 5th and 6th of June. So February, April, May and June. Yep. Well, good luck. Hopefully hopefully they all happen. Yeah. Oh, they're probably... Oh, just one thing. The, the other part of that is they're probably going to skip Paris this year, but they've agreed to go back next year. Just the whole health and safety, logistics, middle of Paris thing, too hard. Yeah. Understand understandably. That. Completely yep. understandably. Yeah, to get any any race going, I think, is, yeah. going, well, to be, is going to be like last year. Anyone who gets any live yeah. racing going, whether there's a crowd there or not, is doing a fantastic job. Yeah. So Sanya and Saul, again, they're not really sure when they're going to confirm those, if at all. Yeah. Right. WRC, talking of affected motorsport. Uh, WRC oh. and the Arctic Rally Finland route has been revealed now. There's 156 miles. But I think uh, there is a link in the show notes to, obviously, Dirtfish's article about this. But the thing that really caught my eye is that it's, it's going great to paragraph. be a full uh, is going to be a uh, requirement and as in a car will not be allowed on a stage if it does not have a winter survival kit within it before it sets off because there is going to be no crowds for this due to government restrictions so if somebody has an off in the wilds they're going to be there a little while before anyone can get to them, mm-hmm. unless they happen to be next to a, a steward's base. So yeah. they need to be equipped with snow shovels, warm clothes, uh, and that sort of thing, just to make sure that they can survive until they are rescued. Because yep. the temperatures, there at the moment, ambient temperatures, they're expecting to be between minus 6 and minus 14 but looking at the forecast, there is a potential for it to go down to minus twenty. Yay! Might want might want big court <laughs> yeah. for that one. <laughs> Maybe even a jumper. As well. Yeah. Consider taking a glove or something. Isn't there? But I saw um, uh, again on Twitter Elvin Evans showing a, f- a quick video uh, clip of him testing in Finland at the minute, and it looks amazing. It looks so clean and empty with these with with that Yaris just flying over the snow. I I I was so happy that uh, Monte Carlo took place, but I cannot wait to watch watch it in the snow. Yeah, this this yeah yeah. Having been to Rally Sweden in the past, yeah, <laughs> rallying snow is fantastic. Uh, where are we now? Oh, uh, yes, lunchtime read this week. This is from Top Gear. It's by uh, Craig Jameson. And it's Top Gear's Guide to Coach Builders, and it's gear. So uh, the idea is it's a little bit of a primer if you think that gear and or Vignali are just badges on the back of Fords with a little a little too much equipment. That's not the history of the company. So, so yeah, there's a sort of combined slideshow stroke uh, lunchtime read. I'm I'm glad uh, that that was found because I didn't know this history. 
and I now I've now I've read it. I feel that that was a huge hole, and I should have known the history. But it's really so interesting. I. It's really interesting. Well, I know you do, but you think I don't know enough about many things. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to take us That's to the list of the fair. week, and it's from friends of the show, Chris the Pollitt, on the not too grand, and this is a little bit of an older one. Uh, this list, but it is five cars for suburban satisfaction. And the idea is which cars that are older and don't cost an enormous amount of money could you buy that would stop the curtain twitches of the nice, lovely new estate you moved into and made them not think that you'd brought the tone down in the neighbourhood and made house prices fall dramatically? I know. Uh, and it is a it is a lovely list. There are five on here, and I'm only going to ask Alan. I'm not going to put mine because there is only five. Is there one car on here above any of the others that you think, mm, yeah? Yes. Are you going to name it? No. Okay. Why? Is it because we might there, have to have a drink? One. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, do you know what? I would want to... I would happily own three of these. I'd have all but one of those. I imagine that we're both excluding the same one. Is it the one at the bottom? Yes. Yeah. I've never yeah. been a fan of those. It's fine. It's it's nice. It's just not me. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas any of the others I could see myself owning and driving. Yeah. But, but not, not that one. But, but yeah. So cracking list. If you want to know what we're on about, go have a little look. Yes, and it's uh, wonderfully written. The wordy bit, I believe that's a technical term for it, the wordy bit from that Mr. Pollitt is uh, is is very good. I did enjoy it. Chris, Chris is rather good at the wordy bits. Yes. It's just one of those things he's rather good at. Okay, Alan, take us to what seems to be the quintessential I, and finally for us. It is the ultimate and finally. And it doesn't involve gloves. And it doesn't involve gloves. <laughs> Thank goodness we've never been desperate enough to use the driving glove Still story. Still there waiting. Still one day yeah, it will be used. <laughs> one day it'll be driver. It'll be new colorways of driving gloves being introduced. But not this is not that day because today it's hubcap creatures. Yep. This is a chap called Ptolemy uh, who is based in Brighton. And he creates sculptures, uh, mostly of animals, but not exclusively, yep. out of... Uh, found abandoned hubcaps gathered generally from the side of the road and other recycled and upcycled materials. There's a link to the website in the show notes, uh, and it's it's quite impressive. There's there's previous commissions he's done. There's stuff you can buy. I think we're both agreed on our favourite. Yes, and that there is for sale for six hundred and fifty pounds, which sounds like lots, but you're getting a bespoke piece of art that is a 1.4 meters high is a mm. fantastic penguin uh, and it's made out of as i say plastic hubcaps that have been that have been uh cut and formed and they're still identifiable as as hubcaps and even what they're from yeah. and it's just really nice yeah the seahorse is quite special as well um which is the next one left of that oh of it is yeah yeah with its its volkswagen eye yeah so so it is it is really actually stunning the way that he's formed these 
these shapes. Okay, he's used it's not just purely uh, hubcaps, but they are mainly that. Uh, and like Alan said, you you will see the car makes that they've been taken from because he, he does use the badges and the logos uh, in really interesting ways. So I, I just think it's super amazing. I, I I would love to watch how he did it. Yeah, and I love scuffing and stuff. There are other things there as well. There's there's planes and stuff, but I'm going to be honest. The some of the the some of the the animals are my favorite. Yep, um, they're really cool. So yeah. again, just 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 weird, but go for it. Go and enjoy it. Hmm, it's worth a look. That one yep. worth a look. Which brings us to the end of this week. There was a Zoom Zoomers recorded last night. I couldn't make it because family stuff. Everybody's saying it's really, really good this week. It's a, just pure coincidence, Alan. Just a pure coincidence. I'm trying to believe that correlation is not causation. Okay, that's what I'm trying to tell myself. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah. There they are, all there miss are you terribly, don't guests. worry. No one spelled yeah. out their name when they were asked what's the what's their Twitter I know. handle. It's just not it's just not on. Yeah, but people get upset if I don't. That's the sad thing. So yes, uh, Zoom Zoomers that is out on YouTube. Search for Zoom Zoomers on link on, in the show notes. YouTube and you'll get it. And there'll be a link in the show notes. We like it when you use links in the show notes because then we get a click. Yes. We know All about the clicks, do actually folks. value the effort that goes into the show notes because a bit does. I know it really does. I I, I do because <laughs> then I can find what we've talked about. And I had to look up Ubitricity earlier on, and I knew that the easiest place to find it was in our own show notes. So yes, much appreciated. Special editions as ever. Um, I'm trying to organise another couple. It's just a little bit mobbed at the minute uh, for everyone. So there will be back as soon as we can. Day side of things are very much taking a lot of our time up. So we mm. are struggling to do the extra stuff we really want to get back to be doing. I, lo- I love doing the interviews. I really, I really do because I always learn stuff. So as soon as we can, they will, they will appear again. But uh, just, just, let, just let me get past my next bank of deadlines for work, please, because that pays for like the mortgage and stuff. And yes. that's quite important. The other option is, of course, is if suddenly people want to up patron or start patronizing yes. us to the levels of significantly huge amounts of cash, and then we can give up these these crazy day jobs and live live the life of luxury that we all wish to for and just do. The thing is stuff. that if they if they if they got the finger out and they did that, then they would actually get far more content as well. There would be this kind of exponential rising content. But, it but, would be, you know, it's up to you lot. Yes, really. There, there is the carrot. There is the yeah. carrot for you that would, there would be a, a absolute shed load more. Yeah, I'm just a shed. More than that, it's a warehouse load more. <laughs> anyway, anyway, assuming that's not going to happen, then uh, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com hub of all our activities please don't forget about our patreon offer uh even our audible offer and all the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such thing andrew best way to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would like to get in touch with you personally what is the best way for them to do that uh you can do it via twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y where that was happening tonight and it cost me a watch which i don't even know when i'm gonna 
wear. So thank you, everyone. It is a lovely design classic, though. Oh, is it the one that two of our friends have? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I more than that. two. More than two. That's oh, the is there more yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. It's half the normal price. It's half the normal price new and something like a third of the cost that it is on eBay if you want to buy a used one. It's ridiculous. Anyway, we'll be back very soon uh, where we are definitely not the Watch Podcast. Uh, But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.